Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 27. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will, that will not be known. For what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Special welcome to those who are visiting today. And um, we started a new sermon series. Um, someone asked me today, how is it preaching an old sermon series? It's like trying to refry chicken that's already been fried. <laughs> to me, it never seems to come out the same way. And so, um, please excuse me, sometimes I'm working through this, I'm like, I can't believe I wrote this, it sounds stupid. Um, <laughs> especially something you wrote, you know, or looked at eight years ago. And um, truly, you know, the congregation changes. And um, who's here and the kind of things we emphasized eight years ago or thought we would be about, um, it changes. So sometimes, you know, um, it feels like we're missing. But I do welcome you to this um, because I think it's important. This series that was done eight years ago, um, important for us to, once, like I said last week, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm talking kind of quietly, um, to renew 
right, the vision of Christ Central Church, to recapture some of what um, I think made us unique as a church in our calling here in Charlotte. Once again, we continue our sermon series. We had one last week um, on restoration. This sermon series on a new south revolution. And this week, as we look at the scripture, we are encouraging you to join us in the struggle, to sign up, to participate, to, as the famous line from the movie Glory says, to get your blue suit too, right? To be a moving part of this gospel-based revolution, to have it happen in you and then through you right here in this new south city of Charlotte. I'm not the one making the call. I wish I was that brilliant or that foolish, I guess you could say, to say, let's get in this revolution that's going to cause all kind of trouble. But what if I were to tell you that our Lord, the Lord of the revolution here in Charlotte himself, made the call to your life almost 2,000 years ago? Calling for what then and now would in large part cause a revolt a rebellion, an uprising, but one that unlike the first that this country we live in experience would not leave or result in reconstruction, but gospel restoration. That it wouldn't result after like our first civil war in this country did in the 1800s, not, not with Jim Crow, but eclectic community. Not fear and apathy, but a revolution, a struggle that would end in progress and redemption. The Bible tells us here that Jesus is sending his disciples out for the first time, and he gives them some particular instructions to talk about the kingdom that is coming, and with it to heal and teach and show mercy and drive out demons, to bring the message right, in, in word and deed and methods of restoration to a people in the Jews who had experienced and were living the results of, in good southern language, a northern aggression by Rome. And before that, other world powers like Babylon and Assyria and Egypt and Greece. These Jews were a people who having been ransacked by, ransacked by powers around them, right? Having been taken advantage of, had their civil rights violated, were called to assimilate and sell out their faith to whoever was ruling them at the time. These are people who worked hard to stand strong, keeping and protecting and seeking to preserve their sense of heritage, holding strong. Their history and heritage of Father Abraham and the monotheistic God of the Bible. They sought to endure what would have been their own version of reconstruction and gentrification by the hands of the Romans and the Greeks who would come in with military might and money and influence and affluence who sought to shape and woo the Jews into better Jews for their culture, right? who came in to turn these simple southern religious folk, right, into a tax-generating, won't-and-can't-raise-much-of-a-fuss 
group of slappy and happy and liar-strumming archaic monotheists. And what resulted, like what we see in our own South, was in the Jews a pride and strength as a people, but carved out of insecurity and fear and defeatism. What you see in the Jews at this point is a defensive and legalistic Judaism, but one that was optimistic among many, like some of, I don't they're not as popular anymore. But when I grew up, the bumper stickers on the stereotypical pickup trucks in the South that say that they would rise again, y'all seen some of those? That for the Jews, a Messiah would come and liberate them. They would rise again. A Messiah would come and free them and protect and promote and preserve them against the Romans. Good Southern black people always say, hey, one day a new Martin Luther King Jr. is coming, right? Always looking for the next person to lead us out of the issues, right? And guess what? The Messiah had come in Jesus. Right? But contrary to popular thought, not to rage war against the Gentiles. Not to rage war against the cultural and religious enemies to their prideful existence, but to ironically, through the message of a heart and social transforming gospel, not of cultural righteousness, but broken, repentant righteousness. Jesus was bringing and sending his disciples with a message that would cause civil war within his own people. And thus the conflict here. That as they would bring gospel revolution and message, that it would turn their own people against them. That the gospel of Jesus, hear this, would be so revolutionary that it would cause Jews to hand over their brothers and sisters to the Gentile authorities. That it would cause such a hiccup in the South that it would tear a heritage in half, right? Turning son against father and daughter against mother. A civil war. And now that same Jesus with that same message is calling you and me to a revolution. Here in the South, in the new South, a revolution that will turn Charlotte upside down and against itself even as God seeks to bring restoration and redemption to it through you and me. Here are some words and short phrases that we love and have come to define the South. Remember, I grew up here, all right? Heritage, history, manners, polite, light. <laughs> here we go, right? Um, Y'all can see me though, right? All right. Wasn't planned. Preservation, right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry your pretty sweet little head or heart about it, right? Leave well enough alone. Words like family, defend, protect, stay, home. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. What about this? Know your place. Home cooking, stand, settle, everything's fine, enjoy, come on in, y'all. A good Christian, whatever, a good Christian girl, home, man, right? Uh, mine, our, we. How many of those same words would apply to the call Jesus gives? 
But with it, Jesus proposing and calling a revolution marked by the following words in the scriptures. Hear these that we see in scripture. Force. Offensive. Surprise visitors. New. Change. Adoption. Find. Seek. Ask. Them. Their. Others. Leave. Get. Sword, not peace. Reveal. Bring into the light. Do it out loud in the streets and on the rooftop, rooftops. Follow. Heal. Go. This revolution in the new south, this redemption of the broken, in this place, Charlotte, as with any city or place, begins as Jesus calls us to, number one, engage it. Secondly, embrace it. And finally, liberate it. Engage. Embrace liberation. Look at verses 5 and 6 with me. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samarians, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus tells, tells his disciples, right? I'm sending you to your own people. <laughs> I'm sending you to where you are from or where you are culturally, right there. And I'm not just sending you to settle, but I am sending you to start a new discussion, a new dialogue. You will not wait for the revolution to come to you, right? Through the gospel, you are rallying things up. You, in the words of the once great Michael Jackson, right, who was here, you're going to be starting something. That's right, starting something in a place that is historically defensive, whose attitudes are defined by keeping the status quo who fear change might destroy them. You are coming with a gospel message that challenges not the perceived enemies, but them, us, you, about a heritage and history and way of living and thinking that has become now all of a sudden a source and sense of security and identity that may stand against its very good. And Jesus defines of what, what some of this is going to look like. Look at verse 7 with me. He says, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does he say? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying, give without pay. When Jesus, understand, in giving this list of things to do, in places to go. I want you all to think about the, the South some t in this kind of way. Just what I grew up in. Maybe I'm, I'm living in a stereotypical reality, but just go there with me. When Jesus talks about going and bringing healing and casting out demons and going to the lost sheep, he is saying go to and put ministry focus on who and what into those things that have been Covered up, forgotten, on the disenfranchised, what lays undealt with, right? The people who are trapped in demonic possession, people who are trapped in sickness, people who are trapped in poverty, right? He is saying, talk about and show that God cares about these things that obviously this group of people, this society, this city cannot heal. Highlight those people and things that say, guess what, y'all? Everything is not okay. That say, y'all can't rise again. 
Because though, though, yes, you feel like the underdog, you've got some serious problems to start talking about and dealing with and going to people that people don't want to but must to not stand on the sidelines and settle for what is unsettling to God, but to go to it and point it up, point it out and bring it up. As verse 27 tells us, right? And Jesus tells them to say it from the rooftops and to reveal what is hidden and covered up and bring it into the open and what has been said in secret, that we are all lost. That we are not righteous. Look at these folk in your community. Don't you know they point to you not being righteous? I don't care what kind of gated communities you live behind. I don't care what your house looks like. I don't care what the square footage is. I don't care how many acres you live on. When we go to the demon-possessed and broken and disenfranchised of our society, what does it say? You are lost. That our lives are not ones that we should be comfortable in. And that if you think you're okay culturally or historically or ethnically or whatever you seek to define you, it is not true. You need help because your community is a reflection of how you are living. Jesus saying, then do it by doing something crazy. Rile up the forgotten and lower classes, Right? Give voice and attention to those who don't have it. And let me tell you what I mean by forgotten classes, just in case you guys can think you can annex your way out of this. <laughs> forgotten can also mean those who are thought of as we doing and being okay because we got money and power and position. Those who forgot they got problems are a forgotten class. Right? So I'm not just saying, oh, well, let's just go to, you know, the poor, the poor people, and let's take a bunch of pictures with folk. You know, let's make sure the, the flies are flying around so we can look good about ourselves. I'm not talking about that. Forgotten. Those who've forgotten. The ignorant, right? Oftentimes, the most ignorant, right? Look like the most knowledgeable because they got the most stuff. Right? Sometimes they are the most possessed by the capitalistic demons in our society, right? And they have to be cast out, right? Th th those are places we must go to. See, we're an eclectic community. This ain't one of these, you know, middle-class churches, hopefully, or this is we're not going to be, well, we want these middle-class churches that, okay, if you've got the American dream, it, you good? That's the same thing as the gospel? Nah, man, somebody lied to you. Right? That the, the, the getting here, you know, the kids are going to college, blah, 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 having some savings. That ain't the, Amer that's the American dream. But you might be living a gospel nightmare, right? Go to the forgotten, the lost sheep. You, man, let me tell you, you know, the little, okay, I'm not getting into it. It'll take too long. Uh-uh. No. Speak to those people and things that are a result of a history that would thus be deemed not too clean or good. Call out and give voice about and for those folk that aren't smiling and happy and slappy in the South and shouldn't be happy. Jesus is saying, do stuff like what will never work in most of our families. Go to the family union and dinners and start conversations about things that people wax over. Racism. Sexism. I mean, it, it may be culturally okay 
But do you know it's okay in some families for the men to just be sitting around and the women to bring all the plates? Is, is that okay? I love it. <laughs> but does God like it? Do you know? Right? I, I think the best cook should be in the kitchen. That's okay. Right? But I, I don't know whether that's all right. I don't know yet. My mom never sat down at meals. Why? Right? She used to have to put a little plate to the side. But that was so awesome. Right? We tell that as a good story. Mom used to cook all day. Yeah. She didn't even eat. She cooked so hard for us. Yay. Right? Like, you don't think about that. You celebrate her happy Mother's Day for cooking. Yay, Mom. Good southern black woman. Yay. I don't know if it's okay. Talk about challenging person. Like sometimes I'm telling you, depending on what house you go to and depending on the political or cultural makeup, conversations about our leaders, including our president, who's very controversial right now, that stuff got to be kept in check if you're a believer, right? Oh, Lord. Hmm? Even if you don't agree, right? There's got to be something there when you personally attack a person, right? And it's okay? I don't know if it's okay. Is it okay? We need to see from God if it's okay. That's the kind of stuff I think is hard because we live in such, um, man, I'm taking too long, such polarizing, such a polarized society that you can actually have family reunions and gatherings where everybody in there will probably agree with you. That's the world we live in. Unless you start inviting your Christ Central Church people, then it messes everybody up, right? Kelly and I, we, 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 we that couple at the all-black family union who probably, if there's a white person there, we brought them, right? We brought them. What, what's the white person doing here? Must be Kelly and Howard's friend. <laughs> Dag, they messed it up. Probably in my family, I'm guessing not everybody's ultra-liberal Democrat. I don't know. But it probably would, would be like a dump on Trump thing going on, right? Pass the chicken, right? <laughs> but now you got the white person, you don't know where they are. <laughs> Dang, I want to talk about it. Okay, I'm, I'm way off, y'all, just so you know. I'm just talking. Remember I talked about the refried chicken? I'm trying to find some new grease here. <laughs> so talk about, right? I mean, we need to, should engage and dig, dig up what? The history of places that people have built fortunes on, right? We should engage in discussion of how and why our denomination is so white. Talk about, engage in conversations about why there's such disparity between South and North Charlotte racially, economically. Talk about schools. But more and beyond that, because understand Jesus sent disciples to their homeboys and homegirls here, right? There, there is a call to start dialogue about your own family, brokenness and secretness, and fake behind religiosity, right? Go to the broken places and issues that need healing and deliverance and offer and work for it. Jesus says that the gospel brings out what needs to be revealed. Do something dangerous. In my southern family, ask what really happened. Got to put the word really in there. 
why uncle so-and-so won't come to family events really? All right? Ask why daddy drinks so much. Ask about and explore your, with your own family self why women had to be steel magnolias. Had to be steel magnolias. It's a good thing now, right? Uh-uh. And why some women go around talking about how the men in the family ain't worth much. Why is that a conversation piece? Or why there are a bunch of children and no fathers around? What happened? Where the men? Ask, where are our men? Ask about our wealth and privilege. How did it come? How was it kept? And in some cases, talk about how God had to be faithful or good because no one or nothing else was. Open dialogues about how abuses were covered up like they often are in the South. Family-wise, culturally, as a city and churches go there, not because you want to be a rebel rouser, but because your Lord has sent you to the graveyards and plantations and everywhere in between to engage, to begin dialogue, to, to go where and talk about it in order. Like, you're not, like, actually talking about it. You're bringing a gospel freedom and light to it. And talk about engage, dare I say it, with a gospel-based confidence that all that is broken and, and brought out will be fixed and rectified and can be lived through and survived by grace. That Jesus, not our more righteous and smart mouth this and arrogant, but that Jesus alone brings. Because here's the flip here, because y'all read it. If I let y'all out right now, y'all tear some stuff up. Right? Well, I'm going to go talk. And dad, you're right? And you're going to mess up. Because engagement here also includes embracing and being embraced where you go. Jesus says this in verse 9, if you look with me. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts and no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And as if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for their town. A lot of stuff going off. I know. I'm just going to get some stuff out of it for us. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't take a bunch of stuff with you as you go, right? And then he says, bring peace to places and people that welcome you in, right? And it says that a servant of prophet is worth his reward or service. Here's what he's teaching us. That yes, we are called to call out and go and bring out and make alarm about the sordid and forgotten and broken in this place and among our people. Here it is now. But not from a position of power or self-righteousness. Oh, man, I wish it was that way. I got a lot that I could be self-righteous about in my own mind, right? In other words, you're not going because you have it all together, right? Whoa, what do I have then? I thought I'm going because I'm better, right? Or, or because you're bringing a personal sense of retribution. Thus, he, thus his saying, you speak for me, Jesus. This is not about crushing people or getting vindication for yourself or just getting what you can out of it. In fact, verse 8 says this, if we look back at it. Heal the sick and raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. In other words, don't go engage the world like the world owes you something. 
or that you have it all together and that you are the moral gentry or something. But here's the point. Engage so that the people and places that you engage with will perceive you and accept you as far as you're able now, as far as you are concerned, because we'll talk about how it kind of get turned against you even if you try. But go as and seeking to be someone, though coming with pretty revolutionary and upraising gospel thoughts, as someone who is seeking to serve and love them. Who wants to be in the family? We've been talking about this idea of integrational ministry, right? Go live with somebody, the people you'd called to go to. Stay at their house, right? Find, find, find in, be in. Don't separate yourself morally. Like you're better looking down on folk. Consider yourself part of the human race who by Grace has, Christ has found you, right? Jesus says in verse 10, don't bring a bag in verse, uh, bring a money bag to collect a bunch of money or bring a bunch of money. Let me put it in old school Southern vernacular, right? He is saying that our call to engage our world does not allow for carpet bagging. That we are not called in our revolutionary voting ways to exploit to take, to uproot for ourselves, again, from a position of moral uh, superiority, like we are reformed and informed and are just better, or to just be mean and make ourselves feel better about ourselves, to maybe prove to ourselves that that, that person, they just wrong, man. Man, it feels good to call somebody wrong. And uh, I don't know what to say. You got me. I love that feeling. We're not talking about a revolution to, to, to prove that you are better than your parents, you're not as racist, or the place that you're growing up in, you went off to college, you spent a couple years in New York, now you're back to the South, you better, right? I'm not trying to come down on you New Yorkers, please excuse me. We got a lot of people from the North, that's not what I'm doing. I got into an argument with somebody over there, right? Okay, we're not getting into that. This is not a revolution for you to say you've arrived. And all of these Charlotte or South Charlotte or the old school, old school pastors in church, black or white, bunch of country bumpkin, Colonel Sanders, porch dwelling, singing and swinging, ignorant, you know what's need to get it straight, right? Because y'all one of these new kind of churches. Y'all educated, you're liberated, right? Because it is easy to engage with wrong anger or fear or self-righteousness, y'all. Man, he told Jesus saying, go do this, and then he took everything away. Man, in our social media society, this is all you get. The whole goal is to go and prove somebody wrong, to dissect their sentences, right? To show how you're better or your argument's better. Let me tell you something. When it comes down to dogging people, I sin here a lot. I'm tempted to sin here a lot. I get self-righteous or angry about how my people or my family is, and I take my anger and lash out against. And in my southern hatred, I've done it with my white brothers and sisters especially. I'm tempted just to make the world mad and uncomfortable. I am mad as a black man raised in the South 
with the socioeconomic disparities and am disappointed even with my own people and myself for accepting and believing that somewhere along the line that white was better or that my people are inferior or vice versa. I hate much of what others are. Sometimes I hate more of what I am. And like you, I just want to tear somebody or something a new one. And dog, I'm a pastor. Ooh, Lord. It's easy to take God's name in vain. And say God is saying this. When secretly I'm just using it to fill my bags with heads, right? With trophies of my cultural superiority. I want retribution. I want to knock something over. I want to make you feel guilty and laugh about it. I love dumping on rich churches. I want to be better than others. I want to be the progressive person. I want to dog everybody out. You know what? This is a temptation Christians have. I'm just calling it out, y'all. It's all right. I use myself as an example. That's the way I am sometimes. I go to my family and I'm thinking, I went to cemetery, right? Seminary. Right? <laughs> That's what the folk call it when they like, you got an education? Yeah, I went to seminary. He went to cemetery, y'all. He don't got the spirit no more. And they doggy too. You get up and preach in some of these black churches I came from. And they'd be like, nice speech, young man. Speech? You ain't preached yet. You ain't preached. You're a young man. You just, you're just speaking. That was a great oration, young man. Oh, dang. Where's the spirit? Right? Okay, moving on. It's easy to be arrogant. I'm arrogant all the time. I'm going to General Assembly this week, and I'm going to be looking around thinking, look at all the Colonel Sanders in here. Not the, not, the, not, the old, not the new ones, Rob Lowe, the old ones. Right? I'm going to be like, look, at the, they don't have a clue what's going on. Let me say something a little edgy just to cause some trouble. Right? Let me look mad. Right? You know, last year, I, I, I <laughs> at General Assembly, I was sitting behind a guy, and he wanted to do something for somebody in our denomination that I thought did some racist stuff in the past. And so when the camera shot on him, I was sitting in the back mad. <laughs> Shaking my head. And you know what? I saw myself, and I'm like, good, I'm going to keep doing it. And then the guy was like, hey, Howard, because I knew the dude. He was like, you know, some of my friends said they saw you on camera shaking your head. You look mad. Were you upset about this thing for this person? I was like, no, nah, I wasn't. I lied, right? I didn't tell the truth. Because I just wanted to be mad, self-righteous, and be arrogant and kind of wimpy about it, right? Instead of going to the mic and saying, I don't think this is right. Anyway, moving on. I was real Southern about it. No, bless your heart, I was fine. <laughs> Just wasn't feeling good. Jesus said, okay, I took too long on that. Man, we got, we got a congregational meeting. Jesus says, for more than one reason, verse 16, be wise, wise um, 
as serpents and harmless as doves. He is instructing his disciples and allies to find a place to be influential, but don't hurt. Don't condemn. Don't harm. Face it, Jesus saying engaging is not about using your newfound commission and freedom in Jesus and being a born-again evangelical to get revenge or deal with hidden demons. In fact, he goes back and says this in verse 14 and 15. It says, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet. When you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And it applies in a number of ways, but it also means this. I'm just going to bring out one. That what you have suffered and will suffer is not for you to fix or get reparation from for yourself. Oh, great. You mean the people around me represent oppression and it's not me? I'm not going to get the revenge I think I need and that revenge I get is not going to be the writing? No. It will not make you righteous. And it will not make them righteous. Man, Howard, you sound kind of like a sellout. No? There's a lot going on in this passage. I'm not saying go easy. I'm saying go biblical with it. I'm not saying go southern with it. I'm not saying go sell out with it. Jesus is saying go biblical with it. Right? What he's saying is the Lord of the revolution will provide justice and righteousness for you through the right engagement and bringing of the gospel. See, this revolution... A lot of people don't know this until you kind of get in the middle of it, and I'm realizing it too, and man, I rebel against it too, because the, the revolution of the gospel is a suffering thing. When you sign up, you will not go and be able to get retribution by your own hands. You will suffer. It's like going in the middle of a real messed up situation and not being able to get better in it, right? I went to go make it right. You get in, you feel the wrong, Right? You just kind of have to wait and work with patience. In this, in, when I say patience, don't take the old stereotypical version. He's saying, just be patient and allow yourself to be oppressed. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're going to feel it. But it's not you. It's not your right to take it out on other people for the sake of just being mad and mean. Because truth be told, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you bring up family secrets, here's the irony of the suffering piece. If you dig up, if you, as Jesus says, go to the rooftops as the gospel does its work, if you're responsible for bringing the stuff that reveals the messed up heart and issues of our culture, you will be rejected and you will create a mess. Look at what he says here in verse 21, moving on. I'm, try, I'm going to try to move fast, y'all. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father, his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Jesus saying, when you seek to engage the world with the good news, regardless of how loving and embracing you are, your own people and your own kind of people can turn against you. All right, what's the suffering look like? You will get kicked out of the country club. Possibly. Or, no, they won't kick you out. They just won't talk to you while you're there. Right? Or, or, or the good southern woman club or the trusted brother and sister club. They're going to pull your card, right? You will be sold out like a sellout to all that is good and southern and right and pure. And not only southern, whatever your culture is. Understand what Jesus is saying when he says that they will give you over to Gentiles. Your own people, right? Your own culture may no longer embrace you. You will be a danger to their society, right? Your message will be a menace to their society. Your message will come off not only strange but wrong and offensive. Welcome to the gospel revolution. I'll never forget the time in my family when we started asking questions about grandmama. Right? We were doing like a family union. We were trying to figure out the history. 
I have to tell you, in the South, especially for African Americans, the records can be real messed up. My dad, it took years, years. And you know, this was before you had, what's the thing? You, the tr lending tree, huh? Ancestry. Ancestry. Not lending tree. <laughs> Ancestry, okay? You see how I got it confused. Two different trees, one's T-R-Y, one's T-R-E-E, -E, but I got it confused. Because it sounds the same. All right, let me move on. So we were working on that. We didn't have no ancestry.com, you know, all of that. My dad would go back to the records. People's name would be with an X. It will just be a description of the slave or whatever. I'm telling you, it's craziness. My, I was like, Dad, why does my granddaddy have this family and another family? He was married to this woman. He married her. They got a divorce. Howard, back in the country, black people didn't get no divorces. They just stopped living with one woman and married another one. And they had a little agreement that he, was, she, he would support the kids. What? Craziness. So we were looking at my grandma, my mom and I. What a mess. Because we were like, oh, Lord, but why this line don't look connected to another line? <laughs> who, who that, who, my, what? Oh, Lord. It raised some questions, impossible, broken, messed up stuff. Matriarchal Southern protection, Southern Catholicism, loyalty to image and marriage, and fear that someone was not pure blood would be rejected as something. I've already said too much, y'all, but five years of silence and anger towards my mom and me. Just an illustration of what happens when truth comes in the darkness, even your own life. Am I saying go dig up stuff for the sake of making people angry or being a jerk? No. I'm saying, I'm describing what happens when truth hits darkness, when you go into the world not fearing what you may find because you actually believe Jesus can handle it. But understand, ironically, when the gospel light of God's good shows, it shows breaks in the world, right? Fear and anger will erupt towards the light bearers and light bringers. Even if you're not doing it for mean or vindictive reasons. But if there is no gospel belief in regards of your intentions, you will become a sheep among wolves. And nothing would have angered the Jews back then when this was said more than Jesus to imply that those who consider themselves the sheep of God, he would not, he not only describe them as lost sheep, but he went on to say the ones who don't accept you are not just not sheep of God or lost sheep of God. They are wolves. That's the way they would describe the Gentiles. Why are they describe? But, but it will happen. Y'all have stories upon stories of right and good confrontations gone wrong and rejecting. And some have brought people in their too conservative, too liberal gospel ways around your CCC family. And it hasn't been so good or comfortable for you. And it makes sense here as Jesus explains here. In verse 24, he says this. The disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is, enough for the, it is not enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called, your, your, called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Understand, it's the goal of the student to pick up and take over the place and level the teacher someday. It shows progress. So Jesus saying this to them and to us, if they called me, Jesus, your teacher, a devil, 
If they said I'm bad for society, that I'm a bringer of what is bad and dangerous to the world, you have the privilege of being like me. Yay! They will call you the same and treat you the same because you have followed and answered the call to the revolution of the gospel. And with it, you, you like me, for the sake of what is good, news for all involved will die and get beat down and even be falsely accused. Because here's the end goal. To liberate. To bring freedom. To like the beginning says to heal and cast out demons and go to the lost sheep. Understand at this point in Israel history, hope has been lost. Cover up and heritage and defenses and self-righteousness and hiding and protecting and avoiding was the only way to stay alive in here. It was the only way to secure dignity and hope and peace for themselves. To hate and fear and run and ignore and celebrate and oppress with eyes squinted in good southern style to continue to forge ahead and talk about the good old days among and on top of the graveyards of sin and struggle and abuse and the marginalized. The South, as with any place that stands defensive, is actually sad and caught in a lot of hurt. And in that hopelessness, abuses go on and no one talks about it. People have to stay in their closets and we smile and fake and pretend because we don't know whether we can accept or handle what we might learn. And people live believing and afraid that there are no words or no message or no Messiah or no Southern comfort outside of what we can get in the bottle. Just mess that we have to make right ourselves and can't. But you know better than that, believers in Jesus. You have the joy and drive to call people into true freedom and not having to live in fear and pretending and that things are okay while they suffer underneath in the dark of a society of secrets and lies. And you know and hope and are driven to give and tell the world better like the disciples should have. Because this is your story, isn't it? Those of you who are believers are the living and talking and breathing spoils of God's own civil war. It was you who were enemies of God, trapped in the shameful pits and history of sordid and sad civil war with the Lord, and then oppressed and enslaved in this world by, of sin. But he came south, right? And Jesus liberated you freely, but it cost him his life. And he did it because he loved you. He didn't come and fill up his carpet bags. You were done. But Jesus was not done with you. The South, the New South is dying and crying for liberation that it cannot bring itself. I don't care how proud it acts. I don't care how rich it gets. I don't care how many new light rails they put in. I don't care how many condos go up. It is looking for a powerful message that it can't generate itself, for a people that can't be all for themselves, and a Savior that it cannot find itself. And Jesus is saying, I am bringing a war not to condemn, but to free people, just like you believers were. Yes, a civil war to liberate and free and separate people from a history and heritage that continues to breed hopelessness and shame and oppression and death and fear to leave what has bound you even, and especially across familial ancestral lines and finally be able to come to him Jesus saying to his people what I've whispered and told and shown you about who I am in your heart secretly tell the world 
take it to the world. Take me to the world, right? He alone has the power for change. He heals. He fixes. He accepts. He's the Savior for a beautiful but broken south. And he is sending his people for this new south revolution right here in Charlotte. Jesus is saying, come, seek, find, free, go, gain, give, and liberate. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done and what you've called us to. But you're not calling us to anything you haven't already done in us. Thank you for not being a condemning, vindictive Savior. Or none of us would have made it out and into your grace. We, we deserved, and we deserve to be destroyed. But you showed us grace. You who were alone righteous didn't condemn us because of our moral failure. But you brought grace and freedom and light. Do this for us, Lord. There are so many stories and cultures of people here today in so many ways, no two are the same. Help us. Make us into, like the, your scripture says, one person, one body. And as we do, Lord, help us to, to let the light of the gospel come in on our culture and our world and, and things that are hidden and, and help us. Go to war, Lord. By your grace, with your power on things inside that keep us trapped and enslaved and pretending. And then use us as a living testimony in this city, in this place, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our heritages. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.